Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk to Derek Taylor on the end of Blue Bomber Rookie Camp. And then we're going to have Philip DeSantos on the show, who, like me, is losing his voice. He is the head coach and GM of Valor FC, and that's coming up on the podcast. We now continue our Blue Bomber training camp coverage, which all week is being... Well, not just this week, but the next couple of weeks brought to you by Stars Air Ambulance, caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most as we talked to the voice of the Bombers, Derek Taylor. Derek, Mike O'Shea, when asked today how he'd characterize rookie camp, he said, over. What's your reaction? <laughs> it, it is definitely over. We can confirm that rookie camp is over. Uh, O'Shea, his first answer, he'll just default to the to the very simple very basic one, and then go uh, a little more in-depth. I mean, it's honestly, it probably is more the value of, you know, some guys with experience getting a chance to get up there and get their feels. I'd probably take more from Carlton Agadosi, Tavares Harrison, uh, Kolaris getting his reps out there, Drew Brown getting some. But uh, you look around and you go, okay, well, that guy seems to be doing some stuff. Okay, well, I'll take a look at him come Sunday. Or you go, Okay, well, that guy's not going to be here on Sunday. Let's uh, that, we'll just turn away to another one. It was it was good. I, I used it as a chance to kind of get to know where guys might play and where they might factor in once the real camp starts. And you know, for them, I mean, it's about learning, right? Learning our calls, learning our system, so that when you're on the opposite side of the ball from Adam Big Hill, you know who's supposed to take care of him as he tries his inside run play. So about the learning, and then the application starts on Sunday. So what did you see today? Uh, padded practice, right? Yeah, so they had pads on throughout the, throughout the day, and they eventually, it was late in the practice, they got to a little 12-on-12, which is also, the pads don't change much for receiver defensive back drills, but, you know, when you're when you're working uh, run plays and stuff like that, and, and you go, oh, okay, well, that was a real big hole, or, oh, okay, look at defensive end Joe Beckett. Oh, he really gave, a, gave that right tackle a, a, a good move, so... There, there was some, some clanging, but we were joking amongst ourselves. It's, I said at one point, let's break these guys down and do some Oklahoma drills. And then you think, well, that's 30 years in the past. And O'Shea afterwards saying, you know, you don't, we don't take guys to ground. It's not 100% full speed, but the, the offensive defensive line can work a little better on you know, moving each other and how they'll, how they'll do it. They get a little more contact, which is good because they'll have – I I do not remember off the top of my head how many padded practices they're limited to in camp, but they'll they'll have a, a certain number of times in camp where they can really uh, let at each other. Do you like that the CFL has lowered that number? Do you think it's better for just everybody in the long term? It's it's interesting because they originally like they, when they first changed it, they made it zero, right? Like the PA, the PA said, we want zero. And I, I remember just basically all the people I've talked to who played pro football said, this is awful, this is terrible, you're going to see it on the field. And then halfway through, they're like, you, you're seeing it on the field because these guys aren't tackling and hitting it in practice because they don't have pads. They eventually brought it back up to 12. So, you know, there's 21 weeks in the CFL season, and among them you get 12 padded practices. So at least you get some Honestly, if it has hurt the product, I haven't noticed, and I'll definitely defer to anybody who played, but just for the, the benefits of fewer concussive and sub-concussive blows to the head, 
uh, I, I I think it's absolutely the we're, we're never going back to the to the way it was. So I if it does make the game a little worse, I, I'm I'm totally willing to accept that because frankly, when when bad things happen, guys miss tackles, we get big offensive plays, and I get to yell touchdown a lot more and and go down to to you on the sidelines to tell me exactly what's how they're celebrating that or cursing each other out for that. So that works for us on the radio for sure. And so we look ahead now to what's next. And so, Derek, I ask you, what's next? Okay, so uh, tomorrow uh, they have to uh, make a certain number of cuts. The the Bombers made some uh, cuts today and actually brought some players in. They brought in Jacob Zott, who's a fourth-round offensive lineman from the Red Blacks in 2021. Uh, He was with the team for 10 days last season. They brought him back and put him to the active roster. So I just was looking now that their roster lists 108 players. So by tomorrow, they have to get down to 85 players plus their draft picks and territorial exemptions. So I think that's 94 or 95 players. So they're going to have to make some cuts, move some veterans to the veteran injured list, things like that. So we're going to see some names coming uh, around. Uh, we saw earlier today Nate Gavon was a defensive lineman. He was released. And running back to John Henry uh, was released. That one coming across the transaction wire. The Bombers haven't officially announced it yet, but uh, to John Henry's been released as they moved some other bodies in. So Mike O'Shea didn't, uh, again, when we asked him, hey, how many cuts, he didn't have a number to give us, but uh, you got to get down to 85 plus those others. So uh, they got to figure out what to do with, in, in my guess, eight or 10 bodies. And so I, I'm assuming that the, you know, the names that we may have heard of before in terms of uh, draft picks or players that have been around before, the, the players that end up moving on, or are they going to be players that we look at and say, whoa, or is it going to be, oh, oh, they were here? I, I'm usually surprised if a player, if a player of substance would, would get cut to, to this point, right? Um, what was it in camp last year? We had an early Jalen Saunders getting cut. It was the one that kind of blew our hair back a bit. And there were non-football reasons for why that all went down. Uh, other teams have been releasing veterans, but those are, we, you would presume, injury-related. We don't, I don't know that we have anything uh, comparable here. So I feel like whatever cuts we get, like straight cuts we, we would get, would be players that you know, we would have seen over the last three days. Uh, and, and may not really know their name, or they may pop up one day and go, oh, yeah, that guy was in bomber camp for a little bit. So it shouldn't I, – I don't see a reason why it should be a name that we know real well. Um, I can't think of players from last year's draft class that would have underperformed and they would want to move on from. So I I wouldn't expect anything of, some, of, of note, but, uh, I mean, anything can happen. So Sunday is when training camp really – technically begins right correct yeah sunday everybody will be there everybody will everybody who hasn't had their physical will take it uh, tomorrow the team will make its cuts and then 85 plus will will get out of the field on sunday and that's when they go to their their longer sessions where we're out in the sun for three and a half hours and watching things work and we get to see uh basically a, a lot of it will be okay i wonder how guys are actually coming back from injury last season right um Kyrie Wilson, how does he look? I, I haven't seen Kyrie since, gosh, the day after the season last year, and, you know, he was walking around, but uh, he's coming off an Achilles injury. How is T. Hansen? We've seen, you know, some stories from Ed Tate about his recovery process. 
does he look okay and where will he be in his recovery process? Because it doesn't sound like he would be ready for game number one. So that'll be a curious one. And then you kind of want to see sometimes, you know, first year guys to their second year, uh, they change because they go, Oh, I need to be more of this or less of this when it comes to the season. So curious to see if there's anybody, anybody who cut 20 pounds or put on 15 pounds in order to, to make themselves a little better, but we'll know that Saturday or Sunday, excuse me, uh, they get it away. I think it's a nine o'clock start on Sunday. I'm very much looking forward to. So you mentioned the numbers that are going to be there for Saturday, Sunday. How many were there for rookie camp? Do we, do you have the number? I, it, there was never an official number. They would give out a roster, but it includes all the veterans as well. The first day I counted 57 and it was just a hair over 60 uh, yesterday and today, just by my quick count as bodies okay. were, were moving around. So it was about 60. So, yeah, that's, that's quite a few. And plus all the veterans. It's going to be a lot of players to keep an eye on, man. Yeah, it, it is. And there, there, and then there are certain roster rules, right, as to why this and that. But, yeah, 85, eight draft picks. Uh, yeah, any draft pick who hasn't appeared. So then there's, uh, there'd be global draft picks as well. So Carl Schmidt, the punter, is essentially a free pass into Sunday's uh, Sunday's uh, main camp. So there's nine. The territorial exemption, uh, Makai Terrell would get in. So there's 10. So 95. E- either way, there's there's going to be a, a few that move out. But, yeah, the, the interesting thing for folks to watch and to check out uh, at DC on OB is, are there any veterans who are going to the veteran injured list? Because that may indicate, oh, hey, they might not be ready for at least the first preseason game in Edmonton. Well, should be a lot of fun to to keep an eye on. And by the way, before I let you go, we heard your interview with Suleiman Karamoko earlier in the show. We're going to play your chat with Tavares Harrison later on. These are two players that have been with the team. They've just been seeing a little bit of action, still asked to come to rookie camp again. And what was your takeaway from talking to those two? I, they both sound pretty relaxed about everything around them, right? Uh, Tavares Harrison is a guy who I was going back to the transaction wire he was, they signed him. They just put him on the suspended list for a bit while they tried to figure out how to get him up here. And he, he reminded me, uh, I think in the interview I say he played in the Edmonton game. He played in the Saskatchewan preseason game. And he showed up in camp two days before that game and they threw him out there immediately. And he ends up catching a touchdown pass. But he, he looks real smooth. Like he looks exactly like you would think a CFL receiver looks. He's six foot three. He's lean. He's really working his waggle in the slot. And he and Carlton Agadosi are the guys who have some experience among the receivers there. And he really, in my mind, kind of stood out. Karamoko is an interesting one because he's a, he's a global player and he's a good-sized dude. He went to Laval. He's a good-sized body and he's fast. And he said, yeah, they have me playing halfback. If they want me to go down into the box and play linebacker, I'm good with that. Mike Fouché wouldn't commit to either, but said they'll find a spot for him. Uh, Karamoko is a guy I'm really interested in because he's a really nice athlete and he's a good sized body as well. Uh, in a in a land of we have some smaller defensive backs on this team, if Karamoko could find a spot in there, that would be that'd be pretty great. But it's it's remarkable the year the change from year one to year two. Year one, your your eyes are wide open, you're like what is happening here. But year two, you know what's about to happen, so you can really kind of be in that moment better. And that's that's kind of the sense I got from both of those guys. Well, Derek, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and we'll uh, looking forward to your chat again on the show on Monday night. Oh, when the big time happens! Oh, I love oh, the opening of actual training camp. Oh, it's going to be so good. Tomorrow at three p.m. 
The match of the week in the Canadian Premier League has Forge FC in Hamilton hosting Valor FC of Winnipeg. And the coach of Valor FC, Philip DeSantos, joins us now. And we're always grateful for his time. Phil, if, if your voice is waning, that makes two of us. We could just bump your volume. You don't feel like you have to yell. But thanks for joining us tonight. No problem. A pleasure, Christian. I just don't know how much time I have because I just it's getting worse by the minute. Well, we'll uh, if if you gotta go, just let us know, and then we'll uh, we'll call it a day. But in the meantime, we'll we'll uh, we'll play it by ear. Uh, first of all, just uh, you're, you're taking on the top team in the Canadian Premier League tomorrow. How much of a, a daunting task is this? But how excited is your team to really test its mettle against one of the best teams? It's it's good. We uh, we have a good history with this against this club. I feel that you know I know it's the past, but. Uh, I think we won four of the last five, so it's a place that we're, we're, we like to come in and play, and I think there's there's something to be said when you go to the home of the uh, the defending champs. It's always high alert uh, uh, games, and our team has responded well to that. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to be any different. The guys are motivated. We're, uh, I think that the, the, the group has been good and solid defensively. We've We've been cohesive from, from the beginning of, of the CPL season. Um, so I think that we're just going to need to be in high alert. It's a game where uh, we'll need to control our emotions and be uh, focused for 90 minutes. But I feel the group is confident and, you know, it's a good good game, good weather. So uh, the stage is set and we're we're one win, three draws so far for Valor FC this season. Uh, most recently, last Saturday at home against the Halifax Wanderers. Uh, what has been, I guess, the one way you describe the way your team has played through four matches so far? How would you sum it up? Look, I think I think we've been we've been consistent in, in many areas of our game. We're a team that has been hard to break down. Where I feel we've had. We, we didn't find consistency yet. It's, um, it's our ability to, to, to rupture the opposition in the final phase. I think that we've had good spells of possession. Um, but I also feel that teams have, have, have had a lot of respect for, for some players that were very good in that first game against, against York. And, you know, there's been double marking and... Um, opposition has been very tight on a few players, so we just need to find find solutions and, and find a way of breaking down the opposition. I think tomorrow's game is going to be very different because we'll play a, a team that's going to take initiative from the beginning. They're going to try to be on the ball, so that's going to open up spaces for us. So it's a game where we, we might play a bit more into open space. Uh, but overall, you look at the, the, the league and the season, it's extremely tight. Every game has been a game, not only for us, but everyone. I think there's four undefeated teams after four, um, four, four match days. So it, it tells you a lot about how this is going to be tight all the way through. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I say this, we have, to, we have to hold on. We have to stay above that line and have an above-the-line mentality. Because uh, I think that if you slip um, two, three games, it, it could it could catch up to you. So it's about being consistent and and and, and grinding points every time we have the chance. Um, and that's what that's the message we have, and we pass to the locker room. 
So how would you describe the way Forge plays? Very, uh, very front-footed. They, uh, they like to have the ball. They exploit uh, the wide channels very well with, with, with overloads. They're, they're a team that has a, a very clear identity in the way they want to attack with a lot of numbers around the ball. So um, it, it, it allows a very effective counter-press when we win the ball back. So um, it's a team that has won with that identity. So they don't change much. So uh, we know where we could hurt them. We know that we need to be uh, very clinical on, on how we, we, we get the ball out of pressure when we recover it. And we need to be very good in valuing the ball in ourselves of possession so we don't spend um, the majority of the game defending. So so we need to be very effective in the way in the moments that we, we're going to have the ball. Um, look, it's a team that hasn't scored much uh, this year, but they haven't conceded either. So um, I don't think it's going to be a, a very high score game tomorrow. I don't expect that. I think it's going to be two teams that respect themselves, uh, that are going to uh, stick to their identity. Um and I, I don't see, see Forge coming in, in, in a decent way. I see Forge coming front-footed and trying to score early at home. Uh, but the longer we could keep them out of that scoreboard and, and get our chances, I think that it's going to frustrate them. And, uh, and that's where, where we, could, we could cap it alike. Yeah, for those who don't know, uh, Forge in their four matches, th- five goals for three against. You guys only have four goals for and two against. So that that kind of goes to, to say that maybe we're looking at a, a a game where if you score once, it might be enough to win. Yeah, I think that I think that the team that's going to score first will will have a good chance. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, I think that both teams have the ability to to close spaces to deny scoring chances to the opposition so getting that first goal is very important tomorrow now before I let you go as a coach I know coaches in a lot of sports yell a lot and lose their voice do you have a remedy for when your voice starts to go no I'll wake up and I'll see what I'm gonna do maybe that's why you have assistance uh, I, I could whisper something and just make sure someone yells at the field so uh, I'll figure it out just bring a whiteboard, write things down, and show your team. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Thanks for the <laughs> advice, Christian. There you go. Phil DeSantis, appreciate your time. We'll let you go uh, heal up your voice for tomorrow. Okay, thank you very much. Have a good one. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that they should come to this.